going to preach on friends this morning, brother. Joe here started talking about friends and, you know, how many of you have a friend in this room? You got a friend right here in this room, all right? How many of you have a, uh, I got to be politically correct, right? So how many of you have a big friend? You got a big friend, you know? Uh, Bubba, you got a big friend, all right? How many of you have a, uh, a nerdy friend? You got a nerdy friend, all right? Where are they at? Uh, all right. Uh, how many of you got a slow friend? You have a slow friend. <laughs> Uh, and we will, <clears throat> uh, we'll leave it right there because I don't want to, I don't want to know what kind of bad friends you got. But we all got friends, amen? The Bible has a lot to say about friends. Now you listen to me. Our theme is go boldly. And it doesn't matter what we preach about going boldly to the will of God or going boldly to the mission field or going boldly to where God wants you to be. There's going to be an obstacle there. There's going to be a wall. Listen, there's, when I get up to preach as a youth pastor, there's four subjects that if I start, man, walls automatically come up. If we talk about dating, whoop, that wall grows. Because you ain't touching my girl, she's fine. I know we're 12, but that, we know what we're doing. Some of you all met your girl on Monday night, had your first date last night under the stars and fireworks, and, and you thought she's the most beautiful thing. And then you saw her this morning, and then you're like, ah, let me rethink that. But uh, if I preach about dating, boom, the wall goes up. If I preach about social media, oh no, you, you know, you can't, that, don't mess with my, I'm an Instagrammy, don't mess with my snap. You don't go there, Brother Ricky, because if I preach that, I get a wall. You know, if I preach on uh, young people and music, oh, that wall goes up. Because you can't touch my music. Because my music doesn't affect me. And then if I talk about friends, that wall goes up. So, we're going to try to tear that wall down this morning. If not, we're going to try to scale that wall. We're going to try to go and tell you young people, one of the most important things you'll ever do in your life is surround yourself with good friends. Hey, listen, your friends will either help you through the hard parts of life or your friends will make your life hard. Bible says a lot. Let's, let's go through a couple of verses, man. Get your Bible out. Let's work. Let's go through the scriptures here. Bible talks about Jonathan and David, that they had a friendship, a very unique friendship. The Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 23, that Abraham was the friend of God. Man, what a great uh, compliment to give that you are the friend of God. Proverbs 17, 17. The Bible says that a friend loveth at all times, and the brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 18, 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than the brother. Oh man, John 15, 13 gets really good. Matter of fact, you got to go there because you got to mark this verse. It says, Greater love hath no man than this, but that a man lay down his life for his friends. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ. John 15, 14 says, if you follow me, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, says, here are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. I want you to go to Luke chapter 12, verse 4, because I really like this one. Jesus called his disciples friends. Amen. He said this, he said, he, he said, and I say unto you, my friends. 
Boy, this thing about friends, I know it's one of those walls that goes up when young people say, no, 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 you can't mess with my friendship. I mean, we're, we're, we're in it to, you know, we're in it ride or die. We're in it to the end of life. And yet, I look around and so many of you, you are being held back from the will of God. You're being held back from the potential that God has in you. You are being held back by what God wants to do with you because of your friend. By the way, the Christian life is not a hard life. Ever so often we have to take a hard decision, but that's so that our life won't be hard. And, and you think, well, you know, I can't give up my friends, that's too hard. Sometimes I tell my kids, you, know, you guys think that living the Christian life is hard. Divorce is hard. Weekend visitations with your kids is hard. Drug addiction is hard. Burying a child is hard. Stop complaining about how hard the Christian life is. Y'all got all them rules. We got to wear them dresses. Aren't you glad you're not a Muslim girl? Talk about the Christian. The Christian life's not hard. It's abundant. It's rich. It's real. The Christian life, man, I love the fact that he comes and gives us life and gives it more abundance. It's a life of joy, not a regret. Now I'm going to take you to the book of Job. Because in the book of Job, we always hear about the book of Job being a book of trials. And it is. The first two chapters talk about the trial that Job went through. I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of Job. And I'm going to read quickly, but follow me in Job chapter 1, verse 15, 16. Here Job, of course, the man who lost his family, he lost his cattle, he lost his camel. And here Job then finds himself in a dialogue with his friends. Let's see what happened to Job, just to kind of recollect. The Bible says in verse 15, And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants. He loses his servants. Look it down to verse 16. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep. And he loses his sheep, loses his servants. Verse 17. He loses his camels. Verse 19, later on, he loses his children. Now, we always know the story of Job as being a story of suffering and trial, and it is. But let me give you something really interesting about the book of Job. Would you sit up and listen? Would you act like adults here as I give, just give you a little stuff? In the book of Job, listen, chapters 1 and 2 talk about the trial. Chapters 4 through 36 talk about his friends. The majority of the book has to deal, uh, deal with three of his main friends and then one little know-it-all that comes in at the end. It's, I think it's a book about friendship. I think it's a book about what happens when we go through hard times and what kind of friends are there to help us and what kind of friends are there to lead us and guide us and what kind of friends are there to help us through that hard time. We got such a mess, uh, messed up uh, view of, of uh, friendship. Too many of you get your friend advice from little Instagram quotes. Well, I got to be loyal to my friends. Not if they're not right, doing right, you don't got to be loyal. Ride or die. No, let them die. You'll die with them. Chapters 4 through 36, it's a dialogue. And it's Job and he's talking with his friends and it's, Eliphaz, and it's Bildad, and it's Zophar, 
And at the end there, there's a smart little know-it-all, uh, Elihu. And it is a conversation about friends. I want you to look at something. Look at Job chapter 2, verse 5. I think this is very interesting. In Job chapter 2, verse 5, But put forth thine hand now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. Look at verse 9. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. And then go to chapter 4, verse 1. Then Eliphaz the Timamite answered and said, I said, Brother Ricky, what are you trying to show us with all that? Very interesting. Satan spoke first. His family spoke second. His friends spoke third. Let me tell you what's going to keep you out of the will of God. Satan telling you not to do it. Your family telling you not to do it. And your friends telling you not to do it. Our biggest obstacles, most of us in here, we have where Satan is saying, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you can't speak, you can't talk, you don't come from a, from a, a good home. Your dad's an alcoholic, your mom's a, you know, not, not the best mom, you didn't grow up in the, in the best place, you grew up in the ghetto. You, you can't stand up there with a PK. So first Satan speaks, and then the family speaks. Oh, you're going to be poor. Where are you going to live? How are you going to make money? You should really get a degree. You should really prepare for yourself. Interesting. Satan speaks first, and then the family speaks, and then the friends begin to speak. Sadly, most of you will listen to all three. In chapter 38, the Lord speaks. By the way, sometimes God will let you alone in your own mess because you didn't listen. Then he'll pop up in verse in chapter 38 and he'll say, now it's my time to answer. Let's talk about this thing about friends. Job said to his friends, he said, I want you to go to Job 42 verse 10. Job suffered. He had all these Friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, Zophar that came and they tried to give Job some advice, but the truth is a lot of it was just their own advice. The Lord smacks them later on. Look at Job 42.10. What a powerful, powerful verse. You say, Brother Ricky, how did Job overcome his trial? How did he overcome that time of anguish and depression and uncertainty this is how the lord delivered him which we all let's read it all together job 42 verse 10 the bible says this and the lord turned the captivity of job when when he prayed for his friends also the lord gave job twice as much as he had I title this message, The Captivity of Your Friends. Listen to me. Your friends will hold you captive, or you will help deliver them from their captivity. We need to have national breakup with friend day. I don't believe in divorce, but a lot of you young people are being held back by a big weight called friend. 
You know, you're teenagers. I work with teenagers. I act like a teenager. I'm stupid sometimes. I go and I'm like, you can't do that. You're in your 50s. And I'm like, watch me. And, uh, you know, I, I, I work with teens. And one little phrase you all like to use is the word fake. You don't like fake friends. Somebody does you wrong, you don't talk to them. Somebody doesn't give you a little heart on your picture, you're like, oh, I heart their pictures. By the way, some of you kids, you think you look so good on Instagram. Girl, get rid of the filter, all right? Amen. Let's be real. You will become captive to your friends, or you will help your friends through the captivity. I want to share with you six friends that you ought to have in your life. In World War I, had the fighter pilots and... There wasn't the navigation systems or the systems that we have today. And so the pilots, as they flew in formation, they would radio each other and they would say, who's got your six? Who's got your six? Fellas, can you come help me, please, guys are going to help me? So they didn't have the radar, the sonar, all that sophisticated equipment, but the fighter pilots, as they flew, they came up and coined a phrase, who's got... You're six. Nowadays, the fighter jets are super sophisticated, and there's really no need for somebody to kind of watch the tail wing there of your, of your plane. The reason it was called six is because if you were up in the cockpit, straight ahead was 12 o'clock. You had a left wing, would have been nine. Your right wing would have been three o'clock, and then the tail wing would have been six o'clock. And so obviously you had view and sight, of everything in front of you, but you could not see that back tailwind. So they coined the phrase, who's got your six? Later, the military developed that, and it no longer was about fighter pilots. It was more about, who are your six battle buddies? Who are going to be the guys that are going to go with you through life and are going to, you know, be the six that are with you all the time? Let me say this, first of all. The Lord Jesus Christ ought to be number one in that. He's the best friend. Hey, you know what? He doesn't change you to love you. He loves you to change you. He's the best friend. I love that old Negro spiritual. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. None else can heal all our soul's diseases. He's the best friend. Let's start off there. I'm going to give an illustration here, but before I do, let's start off there. That the Lord Jesus Christ become the best friend. Let me remind you, young people, a lot of you are here because you were brought together into friendship because of our faith. Our going to church, going to youth group, riding a bus. That is what united us, and that's what has, has, has made us friends. And listen, as soon as you depart your faith, you will change your friends. You will change your friends. I'll give you six friends that you ought to have in your life. Fellas, would you come over here, please? These are some of our young men, but I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Would you guys get three across and three across here? I'm sorry, just, just across, just across here. So Joshua, Joshua got saved about a month ago. 
riding our buses here. By the way, Joshua got led to the Lord by Adrian. A teenager bringing a teenager to church. Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? I'm going to show you six friends you ought to have in your life. Number one, right there, you ought to have a friend that loves your God. You ought a friend that, lo that loves your God. You ought a friend, have a friend that's saved. Now, I'm not saying that all your friends are going to be saved. But, brother, they ought to know that if they're coming around you, they're going to get the gospel. If you're coming around you, we're going to talk about Jesus. Or as my kids say it, Jesus. All right? right if you're going to come and you're going to be my friend, I'm not against going to the ball uh, court and playing ball. I'm not against playing with neighbors. I am telling you that your friends ought to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And many of us, the reason we fail is because we're dabbling with unsafe friends. Hey, by the way, be careful about those unsafe friends and that little job that you got. Because that's where it starts. A lot of it starts in that little job where the guy uh, goes by the kitchen and kind of rubs himself against you and then the girl does the same and then they start asking, hey, let's go out, let's do this. Your friends ought to be saved. You need to do an inventory, and if the majority of your friends are saved, aren't saved, then you need to look at you and say, am I saved? It ought to be light with light, not light with darkness. It's black or white, not gray. Your first friend you ought to have is a friend Amen. that is saved, that, is, that knows the Lord Jesus Christ. That it's for sure, I mean, he is not in the world, he is somebody that loves God. A friend, second one. Man, this is a big one. And this one shocks me as a youth pastor because of social media. You ought to have a friend that your parents know. A lot of you have a lot of DMs. A lot of you got people coming into Messenger and DMs and Snapchats and a lot of you are hiding little things and there are friends that your parents are not aware of. It's how girls get lured. That's how young men, that's how you get lured. Man, Brother Joe said it really well when he preached on Tuesday night about all the algorithms and how they get you and how they send you the reels. And if you like physical fitness or if you like style or if you like shoes, man, they algorithm those reels and they algorithm all those uh, stories so that uh, it's to your liking. Do your parents know your friends? Do they know who they are? Man, Brother Hubal, you and I, sometimes we work a lot uh, closer be just because of our school. And sometimes I'm like, I, I, Mom, you don't know? <laughs> Mom, you don't know? Brother Ricky, what do you think of this person? Man, I got to be positive. I got to be Mr. Preacher. I got you know, to make sure I, I'm not negative and I would just simply say something like, you need to be careful. You need to be careful. Number one is a friend that's saved. Number two is a friend that your parents know. Number three, young people, is a friend that's headed in the right direction that you are. 
Why in the world do you frustrate your life? Let me say that again. Why in the world do you frustrate your life having to make the same decision week after week? Church is a non-negotiable. That means we don't think about it on Saturday night. We prepare on Saturday night. And by the way, church is a life decision. It's something you say, I'm going to be in. I'm going to be there. And if your friends are not headed in the same direction, you know what? Somebody has to make a move. Are your friends headed in the same direction? Are your friends, do they like what you like? Do they like preaching? Do they like good music? Do they like good singing? Or are your friends the ones that are always the, eh, it's okay, but. Too many of you have but friends. But, 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 but. A friend that's headed in the same direction. Hey, by the way, if you're not headed in the same direction, eventually someone is going to change. And I'm going to tell you this right now. It'll probably be the one that started out right. Number four. I like this one. But Joe Brown's father preaches a sermon to him then had a friend. You need to look that up. That's a classic. Talks about Amnon and Jonadab. Number four, you need to have a friend that brings value into your life, doesn't cheapen your life. You need to have a friend that says, hey, uh, you're not doing right. You need to get right with the Lord. You need to have a friend that says, hey, you've not been going so winning. I use a word in my youth group. I tell my kids, provoke each other. I don't mean like fight. They like to fight anyhow. I'm talking that word provoke means to, to motivate or to challenge or to question. Some of you need to provoke each other in your youth group to do right. You're going soul winning? No. Why? I don't have a right. I'm picking you up. You're going on, on youth activity? No. Why? I don't got no money. Well, come on. Let's go steal something. <laughs> you going to camp? No. Why? Oh, I can't afford it. Well, let's go. Let's do something. Man, you got to bring people in your life that, that, that bring value into your life and that cheapen, and not, don't cheapen your life. And you're a better man because of it. You're a better young lady because of it. Yes. You know, when Brother Abdel and I talk about messages and sermons, he brings value into my life. He helps me. When Brother Hubal and I talk about ministry, brings value into my life. He helps me. Amen. And a lot of you, listen, listen, you have cheap friends. You got, listen, you have Dollar General fan, uh, uh, friends. You have Dollar Tree friends. You have Family Dollar friends. But you want to live a Gucci lifestyle. Your friends are making you cheap. Number five. Said is a friend that will hurt you with, uh, a friend that won't cheapen your life, brings value into your life. Number five, a friend that will hurt you with truth before he allows you to hurt yourself with sin. This is your, I didn't realize you were going to be this one, but it's a perfect example. Uriel really struggled with his life last year. Told our kids in our youth group, that he was an agnostic atheist. Stop coming to activities. Stop going sewing. Stop doing everything. Listen. And a group of friends. 
got around him and prayed and said, come on, you, you listen, we're not going to let you go into sin. He went on a missions trip with me last November and the Lord called him to be a missionary. Because something I did know, because the Lord worked through some friends. Boy, you need some friends that are going to hurt you with the truth before you hurt yourself with sin. Man, if you had a friend, he had, he had something on his face, he had a booger up his nose, he, you know, he, he looked like, uh, like uh, you know, he stepped out of a thrift store, and, and you're like, boy, you need help, you know, your fashion style is just off the charts, you would help. But you know that they're dabbling and dealing in sin, and you're okay with it. You know what they call that in the law? You're an accomplice. You're an accomplice. I hope I'm not too hard. I could get, I have a soft voice. And then the last one is a friend that does not keep secrets. He keeps you right. I'm going to tell you a story. It's probably the most emotional story I ever tell. I hate telling it. Many years ago, a friend came to me. And he told me a secret. He'd done something really awful. It was immoral. Something very, very wicked and immoral. And even speaking to you today, I have the same angst and anxiety. And I have the same feeling that I had afterwards. And this is what I told my friend, Brother Abdel. I said, hey, ask God to forgive you. And don't tell anybody about it. Until, Brother Joel, that young man got married and his wife found out. And until they got divorced and she looked at me and she said, you're a hypocrite, you're a fake. You knew my husband was involved in this and you never said anything. Broke my heart. kept a secret that killed the marriage I was in Walmart well, uh, there during COVID of all times I walked in there with my wife and that lady was there and she has an 18 year old son and she saw me and by the grace of God she said brother Ricky I want to apologize I said, no, no, no. I said, I need to apologize. She said, by the way, this is my son, 18-year-old boy. And we hugged him. And God was able to make that right. By the way, that young man, he's on marriage number four. Fleeing police from state to state. Because I kept a secret. A lot of you are keeping a secret. You need to come leave it at this altar here in a minute. A lot of you are keeping secrets. You need to go to your youth pastor and say, I'm not going to hold it no more. Why? Because listen, I don't want to keep a secret. I want to keep you right. Why do I want to keep you right? Fellas, would you get three and three? This is why. Come over here, Samuel. This is Samuel. He's one of my newer boys, little guy. This is what they mean by who's got your six. Did you get him there? See, back in the day in World War I, it was all about a fighter pilot and planes, but now it means about who are your six pallbearers? Who are the guys that are like-minded? Who are the guys that agree with you? Who are the guys that are like you? Who are the guys that love what you love? 
Would you take them that way, guys? Hey, teenagers, who's got your six? Who are the six friends in your life? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes.